0: Good morning, my name is Ember Kelly, I use she and her pronouns and I'm the Director of Religious Education here at Fourth Universalist Society and I'm really excited to get to deliver this pride message today. I would like to first of all thank the LGBTQ ancestors and predecessors named in those beautiful opening words who paved the way for me to be here both speaking to you as an out and proud trans woman but also to be your director of religious education. I dream that we may also be an example for future LGBTQ folks. I'm here today to tell you that I want you to be selfish. As someone who grew up a fundamentalist evangelical Christian, I can't say that I ever pictured myself getting to say those words from the pulpit. Yet, I hope this calling to selfishness will make more sense as I share with you on this humid Pride Sunday. I originally said beautiful, change that word. (laughs) You see, I've had mentors and friends mention to me that my guiding life principle seems to be authenticity. I take this as a high compliment, but recently I have been really sitting with what that means and implications that it has on my life. I've been wondering, what does it mean to be guided by authenticity? What does it mean to live an authentic life? And in particular, I wonder how authenticity in this current framework of my life is instead defined as selfishness in the context of the religious framework that I was raised in. So today I'd like to offer you some thoughts on authenticity, selfishness, and pride as someone who has spent more than 15 years navigating, coming out, and being true to myself. I believe that we can't really understand authenticity and what that could mean for our lives if we don't understand its opposite, shame. Shame, the force that can tell us that we are unworthy, that our ideas are pointless and not valuable, that we are selfish to care about our own wants and needs, that we are less than, that we aren't deserving, and in a lot of cases, that we are fundamentally flawed and broken. Shame is a force that crowds this capitalist hellscape of a world and also crowds our minds. It tells us that the solution is always some new product or something outside of us because shame doesn't want us believing in our own abilities. Shame cannot see you embracing authenticity because it would mean losing this deeply embedded shame culture that controls you. I like to think that I am somewhat of an expert in shame as someone who grew up a fundamentalist evangelical Christian. This was the type of fundamentalist where there were debates about courtship as a valid alternative to dating, sex ed causing promiscuity, and multiple sermons about the gay agenda taking over our Christian nation. It was a very different time, very different place. And as a young, closeted trans girl, the only experience I knew was shame. This was compounded by a family situation where I was often left as the mediator the one who lacked the ability to name my own desires to help everybody else feel happy. This lack of ability to even think about my own wants and needs was complicated by regularly having my interest shamed as taking time away from God. You see, playing video games definitely was a waste of time compared to spending time that could be spent reading the Bible or going to Bible study Listening to the clean version of the Eminem show was both a potential sin, but also a distraction from listening to praise and worship music. Being so disconnected from any ability to verbalize my wants or desires left me in a constant state of what I now recognize as mental dissociation. I thought that I was simply more spiritual for feeling so disconnected from the world around me. And that was affirmed by those who told me that I would be good for ministry work. I didn't need any wants or desires for myself in that kind of career, only the desire to serve God by giving myself entirely up to the service of others. It was a shame-based culture built around the idea that we must all suffer like Jesus. Sacrifice of self was not just a good thing, it was actively encouraged. Who cared if we sacrificed all of ourselves? After all, this world did not matter. What mattered was heaven, where we would be rewarded for dedicating our lives to the work of the church, to the spreading of the kingdom. I share this to unpack just some of the ways that shame culture can manifest and has manifested in my own life and personal experiences. And I share to show how that we can begin to examine shame's presence in our own pasts. But in doing this work, I'm very conscious of naming the fact that shame wants me to be stuck in this shame based past, stuck in blame. When we pursue authenticity, it is vital for us to come to understand the past, but not to live in this old shame. We must confront repression and shame that limits the beauty of our human expression, but we must not let that shame become our new mental home. It never serves us to be stuck in the past. Even amidst the shame of my upbringing, the upbringing that took a very happy and carefree kid and turned that kid into what I will kindly call a theological jerk. There's other words that I would maybe use, but we'll, we'll have the church version. Specks of my authenticity began to peek through. Ask Jeeves searches, for those old enough to remember, about drag queens and cross-dressing slowly led to me understanding more and more about myself. Eventually, those searches turned into Google searches of a high schooler researching how transition worked. But in the context that I was in, I still could only imagine coming out later in my career or maybe when I reached retirement. There was no public vision of transgender success. A few stories on one singular website that I knew of, but nothing out there in the public. I had no idea how I could ever transition, let alone do that while working in a religious setting. I knew that it would be there in the back of my head, that constant gender dysphoria and the truth of my identity, but I figured that I would offer it up as a sacrifice and work it out later in my life. Instead, I let my authenticity express itself in a religious search for authenticity. After all, Jesus had said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So I moved through church after church, denomination after denomination, looking for the authentic one, the real one. Was it the Reformed Church with its doctrine of predestination that was the correct doctrine? Or was it the Catholic Church that was the real church? My brain wanted logical authenticity logic because I didn't want to acknowledge emotions because those risked exposing my brain to the emotions that might lead me to thoughts of coming out. Yet repression caused by shame will either slowly destroy everything about you or it will have to be confronted. And eventually I did confront it in 2008 when I first started coming out as a trans woman. I didn't have much of an idea how it would work to transition while attending a conservative Bible college with a conservative family and no insurance. But I knew at the least that I had to start being out there about my truth and beginning to figure out what that could mean. But being proud of myself, of my identity, that still seemed like a far away concept, a dream. I think most of my friends viewed my coming out as another way for me to make a point by being different. I was the one who had to always be doing new and challenging things. And in a sense that hurt deeply, but instead of taking care of myself, I got caught up in debates of whether it was even possible to be trans, pulled into questions about nature versus nurture. I was running to logical debates, not into dealing with the emotional complexities of my identity, my trauma, and my repression. It was a tool of shame culture to tell me that I wasn't even worthy to exist as trans without having to to debate for my existence to be valid. I couldn't safely exist, let alone be proud of who I was. The framework that I grew up with views the world as fundamentally tainted by sin and by evil, fundamentally broken. So pride wasn't something to be encouraged. It was, in fact, a sin, a talking point that I regularly heard when people were talking about pride celebrations. A shame and control-based framework cannot thrive without reinforcing the status quo. And it certainly cannot thrive when oppressed and marginalized people begin feeling proud in themselves but being out and being visible slowly began to feel different for me. I realized that I was able to be an example for others, to help others on their journeys, to be a safe person, and slowly a sense of pride in my identity grew. Why was I ashamed of being true to myself? Why was I so tied to this old framework of the world? After all, the Christian scriptures also say that you can judge a tree by its fruit. And the fruit of this shame was harm. So I slowly broke away from it. I realized that I didn't need to sit around and debate whether I deserved to exist. Instead, I could simply walk away from the harmful framework entirely. It is perhaps in that moment that I began to break into this new framework, the one that mentors say is guided by authenticity. Because I realized that pursuing truth is an antidote to this controlling shame system. I realized that I should be proud of myself, proud of my journey, proud of my relentless pursuit of authenticity. And in doing that, I realized that the queer experience had valuable insights for helping to break through the controlling, shameful framework that so many people were tied to and so much of my old life was built upon. I realized that challenging this framework was liberatory, not just for myself, but for others, as my journey even began to help my cis straight friends make leaps in their own authenticity. But life is always a journey. After all, I mentioned that this is a process that has been 15 years of journeying out of the closet for me, And each of those years has been new steps towards the journey of authenticity. It takes time, effort, and loving yourself to overcome that level of hurt, shame, and repression. The storms of life can feel overwhelming, and it is not a journey anyone should do alone to unpack these things. They should be doing it in community, with friends, and with a therapist, in addition to working alone with things like meditation or journaling or shadow work. Repression can hold on for dear life, fighting back in subtle ways to stop you from overcoming the hold that shame has on you. Shame may cause you to lash out against those who care. It may cause you to stop working on things that you know are helping to heal you. Shame doesn't want to give up without a fight. And so that is why I encourage you to be selfish because to overcome that shame culture, you have to realize that you are worth prioritizing. You are worth taking care of. You have to realize that if you want to care for others, you have to have needs and wants and boundaries so that you can exist first for yourself. It's been something that I've had to remind myself over and over of again in life and during my journey as I work to understand my own identity. I had to identify as the way that shame still lived in my head, especially with being raised to put everyone else's needs first and sacrifice like Jesus. For my recent life, that journey has looked like taking the time to unpack what it would mean to do ministry work outside of a context of self-sacrifice Obviously, I decided I enjoy it, or else I would not be up here. (laughs) Uh, But I realized that I still enjoyed this religious work, even without the burden and the shame of my upbringing. And it's meant admitting that my spirituality has changed and in working to embrace my love of Earth-centered traditions. A big one has been working on wearing clothes that show any level of skin. That one was particularly hard, both as someone who grew up as a closeted trans woman, but also in a hyper-modesty dress code version of Christianity. And perhaps my biggest act of selfish self-care in the current moment, I had to name to myself that I needed to raise the funds, take time off, and work towards scheduling gender confirmation surgery, something that is now scheduled for July 13th. Eighteen days away. Eighteen days away, not that I'm counting. Um, It felt selfish to ask for that. Every part of my brain screamed that it was unnecessary inconvenience to others, even if I thought that it would make me feel better. But making such a big, selfish jump has enabled me to become better at prioritizing and naming my own needs, as well as to see the beauty of so many friends and community that want me to be authentically happy and successful. It can be terrifying at moments to pursue authenticity. The actions may not always be easy. The steps you take may feel painful at times, but it is worth it to take care of yourself and trust your intuition that you are doing what is best for you. Pursuing authenticity will take time of building the skill of trusting yourself, of letting down the filter that you display to the world. That one is particularly hard in our age of carefully planned and presented social media. And sometimes it even means letting go of control. But authenticity calls us to not settle for anything less than living our truths unapologetically and proud which is why I can say today that I am a proud trans woman. I share all of this and these personal aspects to give you an example of ways that it can look to embrace pride in who you are and to learn to put your needs first and be selfish. I want you to embrace believing in yourself and that you are worthy of good things. Stop letting shame get in the way even of things that you currently think are simply fantasies of things that you could want in your life. I encourage you to be proud of yourself because only in authentically being yourself can you truly exist in a community relationship with others. We are better in community when we are more truly ourselves. As we embrace authenticity, we are often told that we are being selfish by not sacrificing more and more but sometimes we have to trust the beautiful thing that the universe has waiting for us. We all deserve to come away from this journey of life with a deeper understanding of what it means to be alive and to be authentically ourselves, both individually and in community. We have to be able to claim our own wants and needs if we are to be authentic. You may be called selfish, The shame within you may tell you that you are being selfish, but we can't give of ourselves if we don't have a core of self-identity to offer others in the first place. As long as you aren't harming others with your actions, you don't need to shape yourself to be anything besides authentically you. Live that out with honest communication, clear boundaries, while finding the people who will love you for the authentic you. Become your best self, constantly working to heal from toxic shame and repression. Embrace pride in your truth. Authenticity isn't always easy, but it is always the best option. It isn't stale, it can change and grow and develop, and sometimes it might need to be renewed in our lives but it means identifying and setting the patterns so that you can flourish. And for those who may be unsure about authenticity in the context of a pride sermon, it doesn't just have to be about sexuality and gender identity. It can be found in embracing the truth of so many areas of our lives. It is never too late and the change is never too big or too small. It is always the best time for you to live more authentically. So I encourage you to relentlessly pursue your own truth, because you are enough. Take pride in becoming the you that is best for you to be. The you who isn't holding anything back. Be selfish.